Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to That Pretentious Book Club. This episode, we have another special author interview. I'm Ash O'Rourke, a.k.a. Wheezy, and today we're going to be talking with author Sarah Bennett Wheeler about her newest book, Grave Things Like Love. I was going to say Grave Like Love, and that's not correct. Uh, Grave Things Like Love, So, which was a book I finished reading like this Tuesday and really loved, so we thought it would be a good Halloween treat for you guys. But anyways, this is Sarah here, and um, Sarah, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, aside from forgetting the name of your book within the first 30 seconds of uh, the podcast and a book that I really liked and have already recommended to someone. I was saying you're in Ohio. I was just talking to my friend in Ohio about your book. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was well, usually it's Friday. Uh, it's yeah. Friday, so, you know. Exactly. It's Friday. I'm tired. My uh, I record in my bathroom, which I, you've listened to the pod some, so you might already know that, which I know is so weird. But it's this nice, pretty wall back here, which is the only wall we haven't painted over. So that's why uh, so it's very warm in here. But I'm going to do my best to not uh, be completely insane for this episode. Um, see, I should have had a glass of wine. She's over there. Sarah has a glass of wine this episode, so she's really channeling the pod. I know we're all yes, very proud of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Sarah, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I'm, a, I'm a Midwestern girl. I grew up in Kansas, and now I live in Ohio. Um, I'm a writer, kind of. It's what I do, but um, I don't make my living writing books. I I'm do kind of like marketing Mm-hmm. brand copy copywriting that kind of thing um by day and then by night i write novels so i write mostly for young adults and um you know i live here in cincinnati with my husband i have two daughters and then i have a ton of animals <laughs> we, <laughs> i've got two dogs four cats a bearded dragon and then we foster kittens as well so oh I love that I mean I think we could have you beat we have seven chickens four cats two dogs uh three guineas all right wow is that it right now uh, maybe not maybe we're neck and neck we're gonna have two goats and a donkey in the spring so so uh, we'll tip the scales then <laughs> I want to do that we have a big backyard and um I want chickens we've also talked about goats but we also like to travel so yes you know, it's kind of like, well, what do we, who would take care of everything while we're, we're gone? I'm not, yeah. You have to find a dedicated house sitter who's willing to learn all the chores and who you're willing to pay more than usual. And that is the only way that we have been able to travel. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, we always ask our authors this, what's your Zodiac sign? I'm a Scorpio. Oh, nice. I love it. That's exciting. <laughs> My moon sign Scorpio. Yeah, I have to do like my daughter's all into all the rising sign or the you well, know the yeah, different. Because yeah. I'm not sure I'm a really truly typical Scorpio, but I but I am a Scorpio. What are mm-hmm. you? Aries. Okay, my husband's an Aries. <laughs> Sorry. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he likes to get under people's skin. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I married a Libra who also likes to do the same thing. So we have fun. We have more fun with people than they have with us, probably. <laughs> <laughs> So you were a reporter for a while. You did journalism um, and that inspired your latest novel. Yes, I got a journalism degree um, because I like to write, which was kind of maybe in some ways not the smartest choice because journalism is a little deceptive. Like when you think you're going to get a journalism major, you you think it might be about the writing, but it's mm-hmm. really about the, the information gathering and uncovering the corruption and exposing and all that. And I, I didn't right. want to do any of that. Like I wanted to write beautiful, fun feature stories and profiles and arts and entertainment. Um, 
So when I got out of school, I, I got a job right outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at this little newspaper. Um, and they made me the transportation reporter. And I just was like, I was so miserable. I hate it. You know, I, I would write about road construction uh, and then I would have to go to city council meetings and it was just not what I wanted to do. And um, I was always looking for things that would be more along the lines of what I was interested in. And in one of the towns that I was covering, there was this uh, family owned funeral home that I, I think I ended up in. I, I was working on a weekend and I, I believe there was like a prominent somebody died. And, and so I was at the funeral home covering the funeral. But um, I was really intrigued by this this big Victorian house and, and it was run by the family and they lived up above and they ran the business down below. And I really thought it would be a cool, a cool feature. So I asked if I could hang out with them and start to gather, um, you know, just get the vibe of the place and, and talk to them about the business. And my idea was to write a feature story. Right. And then I, I had to I moved on to a different job before I could do that. But the whole time that I was with them, their kids had grown. One of them had actually grown up in the funeral home. And I was like, what would it be like to be a teenager in this setting? Like, that's really unique. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a great um, setting for a book, for a young adult book, to write about a girl who is growing up in a family-owned funeral home. Yeah, that's very that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, what got you into writing? Uh, was it just journalism? Because before journalism, you were into voice performance, right? Yeah, I was in, I was into music. So my mom was an English teacher. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just grew up, you know, she was always reading. Um, I was always, you know, she, I would watch her grade her students papers and, and writing. And, and I always kind of had this urge to, to write, like I would just get a blank notebook and you know, fill it up with stories. Um, she and I used to watch Masterpiece Theater together on Sunday mm -hmm. nights. Um, so I kind of got the whole British literature immersion. And um, and I and I was kind of an English um, wonk, I guess. You know, like I was in all the AP English classes and stuff in high school and the choirs. And then when I went to college, right. I thought, okay, music. But then pretty quickly, I realized that I was just not talented enough to make a career as a singer. And I was like, well, writing is something else I can do. And hence journalism, like I just said, you know, right. I, I'll go into journalism because I'm a good writer. And then I got into journalism and I was like, that's really not what it's about. <laughs> that's such a bummer. <laughs> oh, I almost went that way. That's so funny. Yeah, I almost yeah. did that. But it was good training, though. I was just talking about this, um, our sister podcast, uh, the Scripturian Society for Writers. I was just talking to my co-host, Carissa, and we were saying, um, you know, they say, you know, 10,000 hours of writing is what is like and when you hit like master level writing. Right. Um, but everything that you write counts. So it doesn't matter if you're writing in your genre or not. You know, everything that you've written contributes towards it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so not all of your young adult books are fantasy paranormal, correct? True. Uh, I, this is my fourth, Great Things Like Love. My first two were kind of straight, um, contemporary. And then my last two have been a little, um, and, and not necessarily fully like supernatural or paranormal, but more just like a, a little bit of something extra mm -hmm. in there. Um, the, the last book that came out, which came out during the pandemic, so not a lot of people knew about it, um, had a little bit of a time travel twist. And then Great Things Like Love, has a little bit more of a, a paranormal um, sub story going on in there. Yeah. Well, what what inspired that? Do you read and watch a lot of paranormal stuff in your own life? Or is that more of like, did you feel like you were like really like branching out more with this one or? 
Well, what inspired it was the fact that, so back in the day, um, I feel like I'm, I'm dating myself, but one of my husband's and my favorite date night activities was to watch ghost hunter shows when they were first coming out. I mean, and I know they're, they're all over the place now, but you know, years ago, there was only like one or two, they were on late at night on like, I don't even remember what channel, but you know, we go out to dinner, we come home and we watch these ghost hunting shows. And, um, so I, you know, I, I had written the first draft of Great Things Like Love, and and it just, it, it was kind of boring. It, it was kind of a downer. It didn't, nothing really happened in it. So I had to kind of go back and and think about what would, for my main character, I would think about some things that would push her outside of her comfort zone, mm-hmm. and kind of get her to get to a different place and grow. And um, I thought, well, obviously, you know, you live in a funeral home. People are gonna maybe assume it's haunted. Yeah. So, you know, would you believe that? Would you not? I, I, you know, and and Elaine, my main character, she's not sure she believes it because she's a little weary of people assuming creepy things about her home. But then I thought, well, you know, what if she had this, this guy come in who wants to ghost hunt and, Mm -hmm. you know, he's cute and, and it's kind of hard to resist a cute guy that wants to come and hang out with you in the dark late at night. And (laughs) yes, it is. And, you know, so once I kind of had that, I, I it, it was it, it was more fun. It was mm-hmm. the story kind of took off after that. That's really fun. My husband, uh, he just got sent to the border on mission. He's in the army. And uh, they actually, he just found out that they're about to put him in the second most haunted hotel in the States. Apparently Woo! it's in the top 100 most haunted hotels in the country. And he's like really big into ghost hunting movies oh. and videos. Like he watches them constantly, yeah. but he's also like kind of wigged out by them. And so I don't yeah. know why. And he always watches them before bed. So I'm like, you enjoy not sleeping for the next 10 months. Have a really good time with that. What state is that? Uh, Texas. It's in Texas. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So I don't know. And I looked up, I was thinking like maybe there'd be like a cool backstory to the ghosts, right? For the hotel. I looked them up. No, it's just scary. It's just scary women who look like their skin is made out of burning charcoal or something wild. And I'm like, great. There's nothing even like interesting. It's just terrifying. Well, I've had people ask me, you know, if I've done ghost hunting or if I've ever like had a ghost experience. And it's one of those things where it's like, um, I want to see a ghost, but if I was close enough to see a ghost, I'd be terrified and probably just yes. shut my eyes. Yes. And I Same. did have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of hotels, um, the closest I think we've come wasn't a hotel in Scotland. Like, Ooh. We walked in. It was like a, it had been an old estate and they turned it into a hotel. Right. I literally walked in the door. I was like, this place is haunted. <laughs> place, it just had that feel. I was like, oh, uh-huh. I know it. I know it's haunted. And I think I slept like with my pillow over my head. Oh, no. That's so funny. Um, my husband thinks all of my antiques are haunted. They're not. They come from my family. Like, I know exactly where they came from. Not that I would put it past an antique to be haunted, but these aren't because I know exactly where they come from. Yeah. But he's, like, really sensitive to all that stuff, and I think he imagines it, too, where he doesn't see it. But he thinks that, like, he wouldn't run, like, if, like, a door just suddenly slammed in the dark. He thinks he would just go open the door. I think the other day he said he would punch the ghost in the face, and I was like, I don't think you understand how ghosts work. Like, <laughs> so I don't I would love to see him host like a ghost hunting show because it would be like the most aggressive and I feel like unproductive ghost hunt of all time right right yeah so we'll see he's he's thinking he might start himself a little like ghost adventure channel while he's there 
We'll see if it happens. It would be the weirdest ghost hunt you've ever seen. Or should I say uh, investigation? Because that's a <laughs> that's yes, a pretty common... Don't call it a ghost hunt. My, my character who likes to ghost hunt would, would hate... He always wants it to be called an investigation. Investigation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this book and the other books as well all have this like coming of age, you know, trope theme going on in that. What would you say... What do you think draws you to that coming of age? I found it really hard to write. So I admire people who can do it. Yeah. You know, um, I just think for me that that's still the voice I have in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm sitting down to, to work on a fiction, um, it's always the voice that kind of comes out is is young, like mm-hmm. around 17, I feel like. Um, yeah. And yeah. I just that time of life um, is it just you're free to make mistakes and try things and do dumb stuff and you have a little bit of grace, you know, the stakes, the stakes can be high, but you know, often they're not super duper high there. You can, you can kind of come back and learn and grow from it. Uh, I'm not looking for a moral in any of my stories, but um, I know I'm going to make myself sound bad. And I, and I fully understand that adult fiction is, is not all about, um, you know, marital problems or, hating your mom or you know like but not, it feels not, like it is <laughs> yeah no but 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 when I think okay if I were to write adult fiction that's what comes to me is mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. kinds of adult issues that I I I, I just don't find very interesting so no. I, that's that's why I should not write it I totally yeah. I totally get that totally agree I think young adults a lot more fun to write and it doesn't matter every year I get older and I still write all of my characters since I turned 17 have stayed 17 years old and they yeah. will forever sure um, <laughs> uh, so you already mentioned that you were writing something that was on um, in a funeral home and so you went and you visited it for what for the you know piece that you were working on at the time uh, did you have to do any other research for the setting of this book there's a bigger setting is, is that is a small town in Illinois, um, small, but small Midwestern town. Um, and I didn't have to do any real research there because I kind of lived that. I, I grew up in a college town in Kansas, but um, my parents came from very small towns in Iowa. My husband comes from Hannibal, Missouri. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in those little towns. And so that setting felt very organic um and then you know the 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 funeral home too um I had I have a friend who um I've met through my kids school and she grew up across the street from her family funeral home so I shared wow yeah I shared a um an early draft to get a gut check you know on whether Mm -hmm. how it was feeling and um you know and then other research um I know everybody's kind of curious you know about things like embalming and that kind of thing like um i i I did not go down and and help (laughs) or or, (laughs) with or witness an embalming Uh, Mm -hmm. i I am fortunate these days that um there are some really great morticians on youtube who will tell you all sorts of really cool things that you might want to know absolutely Yeah. yeah that's funny and you might have saved yourself a few nightmares so that's not bad um, True. Although, you know what? My youngest daughter is now talking about wanting to be a mortician. Well, crazy? there without, you go. Yeah, without me even, I don't even think she, like, you know, because your kids don't really pay attention to what you do when you're a grown up. Like, they don't mm-hmm. care. Like, <laughs> she really knows what my book is about. Uh-huh. She's all of a sudden just come out with wanting to go to mortuary school. So, wow. 
Yeah. That's cool. Inspiring people. I think um, one of the podcasts I listened to, it's called Morbid. It's like one of like the top like true crime podcasts. I believe one of the hosts is also a mortician, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, you wouldn't ever guess it. I mean, I guess they're, I mean, they're just normal people. Just nobody seems to do it. Or if they do, they don't really talk about it. Um, and she's just like so funny and bubbly. And then she'll just come up with these like really detailed facts about like, you know, the process of like death or after dying and just crazy stuff. Um, so she might enjoy that. It's not too gruesome. It's, it's too like pretty like young chill girls talking about like true crime in that process. So it's called morbid. Oh, she um, lo- I'll write that down because she loves she loves podcasts and she does love true crime too. So. Yeah. I like it also. I have to really limit myself because I get a little bit paranoid. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I would probably get even more so writing a book like this. Um, paranormal has yet to, uh, I've yet to be brave enough to write something paranormal. Um, but speaking of writing, what, what's your writing process like? Oh, um, well, there's several layers to it. I mean, just the nitty gritty of writing and getting a novel finished. So I set myself like a word count. I try to get done like about 500 words a night or more if I can, um, just because I, I find that you have to have written in order to like fix what you've written. If, if you, there's nothing yes. on the page, you can't revise it. You can't make it better. You have to get it out first. Yep. So yeah. that's kind of the, the nitty gritty um, process I have. And then, you know, the, the bigger process of idea, draft, like I have all sorts of ideas, um, but some, a lot of them, I'm not quite sure if I've got the chops to pull them off. So you know, if I've got a good one, I'll kind of start and see where it goes. I'll get a few chapters in, then I'll kind of do a little bit of outlining and see where else it takes me. Um, but to be 100 percent honest, my first drafts are usually still not hitting the mark. I usually have to go through a couple before I really find the story. Right. right. And get it and get it to where it's like really good and saying something and not just kind of looking at my uh my navel <laughs> navel <Yeah>. gazing. <laughs> totally totally get that um what would you say the most challenging part of the writing and or publishing process is for you sometimes sometimes it is just getting motivated um to mm-hmm. just get it done um you know the pandemic didn't help in some way in some ways it helped because when i was really motivated i i, I was very motivated and being locked in my home and you know it what else was I going to do, but, but right. But also it, I hear this from a lot of people It kind of fried my brain in terms of just making it difficult to come up with new, new ideas. And then, well, to be brutally honest, the publishing process can be the most challenging just because, you know, you've realized a dream, you're having a book come out. That's great. But you know, you're, your book is one of so many that are that are out there and and whether they it gets attention or not whether people know about it or how much you market it how much it gets marketed Mm -hmm. it authors are kind of expected to worry about a lot of that kind of thing too which is fine but um it's not really my forte of things to worry about i'd rather worry about my actual writing you know than worry about how my book is doing or yeah all of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So like the managing expectations for after publishing. Yeah, and that's hard for a lot of authors. I see a lot of authors who it really, um, it's it's challenging to their mental health. You know, um, mm-hmm. I do liken it, I liken it to trying to be like a professional athlete or a professional actor. You know, you put a lot of yourself out there, you work, you're, you do your best, you work your hardest. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you're, and you're just not going to make it or you yeah. or you'll make it, but you just won't make it at the same level as so-and-so or or and just so many there's just so many opportunities to kind of have your heart broken 
Yes. Even, even while you're living the dream, you know, because other people might say, oh, you're an actor. You got you got a commercial. Look at you. I see you on TV. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I really wanted to <laughs> Be in a have movie. a feature film. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I can definitely see how that'd be like an ongoing challenge that um, you have to deal with and many authors have to deal with. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about this book? Like give us the pitch, the back jacket cover. Yeah, yeah. So so it's about Elaine and she is um, the oldest daughter living in a family owned -owned funeral home that's been in her family since um, Victorian times. And um, she's, you know, pretty, pretty dutiful, you know, has kind of um, always helped out. She plays piano. She's a, a pianist. So she plays for like the services. She helps out in any way she can around the funeral home. And, and people are pretty much assumed that she will be the one to take it over. She'll be the right. next, um, the next funeral director at the funeral home. And she's kind of hasn't even at first kind of even consider hasn't wanted to let herself consider whether she wants that or not. She's been kind of hoping it wouldn't come up and then it does come up. And then she's not sure she has the, the guts to, to to tell her family she's not sure uh, until uh, she meets this new boy in town named Xander, who, uh, like I said before, he's a ghost hunter. He's I think he's interested in her too for sure because they have like, real chemistry. But he mm-hmm. wants to get in and 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 investigate right house. And so she lets him uh, along with some other friends, and they do turn up some stuff, which um, gets her to start to question more about who she is, what she wants, and also kind of, you know, pushes her against her, up against her family and pushes her up against some of her friends too. There's a, another friend in the group, a boy that likes her and she's, he's kind of the hometown boy and she's not mm-hmm. sure about him. Basically her life just gets all upended. It does. Yeah. I was like, girl, I'm so stressed for you right now. What are you going to do? <laughs> So she has Elaine, the main character, has generalized anxiety. Was that a challenge to write? And why did you why did you choose to give her that in her character? Yeah, that was not a challenge because um, I have it. And mm-hmm. so, too, so do um, quite a few people in my circle, my um, my close and extended circle. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I've said Elaine in general is kind of a character that's probably the most like me of, of anyone I've written. And as I was writing her, I just sort of was writing her as having anxiety, kind of using different tools to help her manage it from day to day in certain situations where she it was having it kind of bubble up. And my um, editors pointed it out and they said, we, we really like that you're writing this character who has anxiety, but that's not like the full focus of their story arc it's it's just a little piece in there it's something that she's managing and um working through um and could you lean into that a little bit more so i did mm-hmm. and uh, and i'm you know it, I, I i just think it's important to show to normalize it and show that um a lot of people and i i feel like a lot of people lately especially yeah are yeah. living with anxiety and oh yeah we have to live with it. We have to find ways to get through our day. And, and so Elaine does it a lot like I do. Um, you know, I have some loved ones who right now are kind of working on some ways to learn to manage theirs. Um, it's an ongoing thing, you know, but it, yeah. needs, to, it needs to be just normalized. 
Yeah, I agree. I think so as well. Um, I like seeing it. I also have friends who have um, generalized anxiety. Um, I have anxiety. I feel like so, you're right, so many people have it now. Um, And you would think we're so much more open about mental health than we used to be as a society, but we still, we don't like normalize coping mechanisms, which is kind of strange. Um, You would think that maybe we would do that because maybe we could share the things that work for us and help each other out a little bit more. Um, True. What was your favorite line from this book and why? Oh, gosh. Oh, well, I really like my opening line. You know, it's like there's a dead mm-hmm. there's a dead body in my house. And by the time the day is out, there'll be at least two more. Um, this was so good. I was like, OK, I'm hooked. That was like <laughs> one of the best opening lines I've read in years. And I have a book club podcast. It's such oh, a good opener. Thank you. And then there's a couple other lines, especially around um you know, one of my my favorite, I, I just like the, the opening of the book. I, there's a scene where Elaine is driving the um, this uh, horse-drawn hearse, a Victorian hearse, through a, there's a, um, a, celebra- a parade, a, a mm-hmm. fall, fall festival parade, and, and they make her drive the hearse. And part of driving the hearse is dressing up in a Victorian undertaker's costume with a uh-huh. corset and a bustle. And, and she has a couple lines where she feels like she's dressed like a more, an old timey Morticia Adams. And, you know, <laughs> I love there it. There were some fun lines around there, you know? Yeah, there definitely were. It was good. Um, well, if Elaine could join us on the pod, what would she say to the listeners? Do you think? Uh, it depends which Elaine you're getting. Like if you got mm-hmm. Elaine at the beginning of the book, um, she'd probably be really in, I don't know, I think she wouldn't even know what to say. I think she's like thinking about having to do her homework. And, probably, yeah. <laughs> and helping out with the next uh, visitation. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you got Elaine toward the end, she would say, um, chill out a little bit. Come on, you know, like, yeah. it's going to be okay. You don't have to know everything all at once. You can kind of like explore and, and it's fine if you want to be curious about death. But, um, you know, it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. We can yeah. we can talk about it. Yeah, I like that. I like that for multiple reasons. First of all, I think you're totally right. Elaine, at the beginning of the book, I actually don't think she would even show up for the pod because she has way too many things to do. She'd yeah. be like, sure, actually, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I actually have to go help my family with something. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I really like that, too, what you said about um, it, death's not really something that you have to be afraid of, you can be curious about. Um, I took a course in anthropology in college and we did like this whole module on the way that death is approached in different cultures. And in Western culture, we do this weird thing where it's so taboo to talk about death. Like the fact that, you know, there are morticians and people who work in like the mortuary field all over the place and they don't talk about it and we don't talk about it and nobody really knows what goes on because it's so taboo and scary to talk about. Um, but the Western culture is considered as having like one of the most unhealthy views of death. It is a normal part of life and we should all be a lot more okay with it than we are. And so I like books like this that make it a lot less of a scary thing. And that at the end, Elaine kind of made it like her like temporary mission to like kind of, you know, open the door to that and get people talking about it. It's, you know, totally a fine thing to have questions about and you don't have to be scared about it. Um, I really liked that. (laughs) And speaking of, um, you know, one of the kind of a little bit of an inspiration to say talking about YouTube, um, there is a channel called Ask a Mortician and she does a wonder, she, Caitlin, um, I can't remember her last name. She has this great sense of humor and she kind of talks all about different aspects of, of death or embalming or the, the, the business. And, um, she just has a great attitude and a great, um, 
tone to it and mm-hmm. and a little bit you know if, if you read the book you'll kind of see uh, and, and you, if you watch that you can kind of see a little bit how I got inspired for for Elaine at the end um, right to kind of demystify it a little bit yeah I like that I think that's what I just wrote it down because I'm like oh I know I want to know um <laughs> because this book even, I didn't even think that I had that much of a fear of death you know and then I I just like the whole process I just was like you know what I never even wanted to like peek behind the curtain to know I just don't want to know about it don't want to think about it and I'm like Maybe I do want to know. Maybe I am curious. Maybe it would actually be better to know some of this instead of just fearing the unknown. True, um, true. So that's exciting. I think I think pretty much everyone who reads this will feel that a little bit, which is impressive. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, what are you working on now? Anything you can fill us in on? Oh, uh, yeah. I am working on talking about frying brains. Um, <laughs> I, I decided to try. I'm trying to decide how to describe it. It's a mystery box, puzzle box story and I, can't, I don't want to give too much away but um very intricate the way I want to weave the plot together and make things happen so I've got my first few chapters like I said I write my first few chapters and then I get to a point where I have to kind of start outlining it oh my goodness I'm stuck like I'm just stuck. no, <laughs> no. Once, once I figure it out I can, I can talk more about like what it is but right now mm-hmm. I'm kind of all I can say is it's, it's like a puzzle dory <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. I like it because it's like a twist on a mystery, it sounds like. And is it going to be like in the YA world as well? Yes, it will. However, it's going to probably have more adult characters than I've written before. So now I'm a little scared because I wonder if it might go more into adult fiction just because of the, the cast of characters keeps growing. And, uh-huh. and I don't know, you know, I'll have to see how it turns out. I, what I don't want to have happen is have to write from multiple points of view. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's hard. I'm afraid it's taking me that direction. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something that w- that might require multiple POVs, and that terrifies me. Um, yeah. But more power to you, because I'm sure you can do it. It'll just uh, take lots and lots of writing and frying your brain. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, how can people follow your progress, get involved, find you online, all that good stuff? Well, I, I have a website, so sarahbennettwheeler.com, and that has links to my social media and to order my books. I am on Instagram pretty regularly. Um, I I just have not been able to do TikTok, so, you know, <laughs> you can look for me there, but <laughs> I don't oh, know. No worries. We have a I, TikTok, too. We probably post to it once in a blue moon. Sorry, you guys, but... Uh... If you guys have ideas, listeners, for TikToks, we're open to them. It's just the inspiration is hard, finding time. It's like at the very bottom of my to-do list of all of the things. I love watching it. Like, I really enjoy it. But then when I think about me trying to make it, uh, I just, I have a, like a brick wall comes down. Like, I I don't think I can. (laughs) um, (laughs) And then I'm on Twitter. um, You know, kind of, but probably Instagram is the best place if you want to, like, see me and see me doing anything or really talking about anything interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, well, we will add your website and your, all your social media stuff below in the description. So you guys should go follow Sarah. So you guys can keep up with what she's doing. I'm very curious about the mystery puzzle box idea thing going on. So I'm excited to see more about that. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners about this book or anything else that you've done? No, just, um, you know, I hope you like it. It's, 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 you know, came out in October and it, I think it is really good for like fall spooky season, but you know, mm-hmm. 
Um, interesting fact, it was originally supposed to come out in December and I was Ooh. trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure how to market it in December, mm -hmm. but I do think you could still read it past spooky season, right? I think you can. It's got like enough vibes for spooky season that it's really satisfying, but it's not so like exclusively holidayish, like a Hallmark movie that you're like, I can only read it during the holidays. It's, yeah. I think you could read it any time of year. So I think y'all would enjoy this at any point in time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today. It was so fun to have you. And thank you for sending the book. I did really enjoy it, which is always nice when I don't have to lie about that. Just kidding, oh. guys. I would never do that. Um, actually, I wouldn't. I would never do that. Um, but I did really enjoy it. So um, so thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. And like I said, I've had fun listening to you guys. I can't wait to like listen to more of your talking about all these books that my mom would have liked my english teacher mom would have taught so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna dig into you guys too more i can't wait oh i'm so glad well message us anytime keep us updated on what you're doing because we'd love to have you back for your next book just reach out i think that's all we've got everybody so until next week keep your teacups full your pinkies high and your book club pretentious mm -hmm.